this introductory part for, well, to just go along with this. <clears throat> but the last time that I preached here, uh, Sister Dahlia met me at the back door, because she usually did. And uh, she said, Brother Moss, you are an archaeological preacher. She said, you dig down to the real, to the very foundation and bring up all of these artifacts for us. So I was looking this over and realized that I go to Genesis 4 in this, and I thought, that's pretty close to the foundation. If I could have my first slide. I want to talk to you this morning for a little while, or this evening, afternoon, whatever it is. Now, about a reasonable religion. I know some folks fuss about religion and spirituality. Just, just leave all the technicalities out of it. We're dealing with a reasonable religion. We're dealing with a reasonable way of working and living and worshiping God. It's reasonable. In fact, the scripture that I want to use this morning is from Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. And I've, for a particular reason, have chosen uh, to use the King James Version this morning. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Praise God. Come now. The Lord's giving an invitation. Come now and let us reason together. Let's talk about it. Let's swap ideas. Let's come to a conclusion. Now, the first part of this verse was, as far as I know, and the, most, the one that I heard most quoted by and about or from Lyndon, President Lyndon Johnson, this was his favorite verse. Come now, let us reason together. He was in the Senate for many years, was a leader in that august body, and led them in the, the Democratic Party in uh, their uh, cooperation and contradiction to presidents. He was one of the major political figures in our country, and this was his favorite verse, favorite scripture, as far as I know. Come now and let us reason together. And I have uh, put together some pictures of Lyndon Johnson reasoning. He stood six foot three, so there were not a whole lot of people that he didn't tower over. You may notice that, uh, let me see it get oriented here, the top picture in the left-hand corner, uh, you may recognize him. Some of you younger ones may not, 
this is the man, well, that's Supreme Court Justice Abe Fortas. Uh, next to him is former four-star general of the Army, uh, Colin Powell. I'm going to leave that other set of pictures for just a moment. Uh, go down uh, to the left corner. Uh, this is a very powerful man, Richard Russell, who was also in the Senate for 40 years. And you'll notice how President Johnson is leaning in. And uh, notice who is leaning when Lyndon Johnson spoke with Harry Truman. And then again, notice the angles of John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson. And, and that, that set of four pictures, those are the, the same two guys in all four of those pictures. It's kind of a snap sequence as time went on. And I feel sorry for that other guy. <laughs> Lyndon Johnson's way of thinking or of reasoning was, do it my way I'm going to invade your space and we will talk about this, which means I will talk and you will listen. <laughs> I do know that there is a, a little different situation uh, in, in one instance. In Bartlesville, we had some very good friends. And uh, Sheila... Oh, Sheila. Her mother was German. Her father was Greek. She identified more as Greek than, well, anyhow. She was a major driving force in the state of Oklahoma in the Democratic Party. Her husband was a staunch Republican. It was an interesting marriage. Uh, many is the time that I have sat in her living room and looked over at her piano or uh, an end table. She'd moved them around a little bit. But there were two pictures that she always had displayed. And they were both of her in different times and situations with a Bostonian, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. She was operating on that level. Uh, the most of the political figures that I met while I was in, in Bartlesville, I met them in her home. And uh, as uh, we were uh, there, uh, she told us one time that there had been some meeting where Lyndon Baines Johnson had come to Oklahoma and was having some kind of meeting. I believe it was in Oklahoma, but she was there. And she was there as part of the greeting committee, and they were going to, uh, as the president came, and, and she was going to be part of all that was going on. And... President Johnson walked in. It was evidently a colder time of the year. And as he walked in, he took off his coat. And he handed it to Sheila for her to hang up and then kept walking. Well, Sheila stood there. 
Sheila, who said all Greeks think they're Alexander the Great. And I said, they do? She said, we do. So I don't know if it included all Greeks, but it did that one. And as the president kept walking, she said, Mr. President, and held his coat out to the side. She said, sir, I do not work for you. You work for me, and dropped his coat. Reasonable. I've known some real reasonable people. Let me go to Scripture. Now, the, the uh, staff upstairs does not have these. I just want to read them to you and for you to listen. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 6, why... Are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Early, early, early in the scripture, God is trying to open a dialogue to reason with fallen humanity. Why? Give me an answer. Talk to me. Get it out in the open where we can deal with it. He was, even then, in his dealings with humanity, a reasonable God trying to establish a reasonable pattern. If we could go to the book of Job, again, no, it's not going to be projected. Uh, chapter 13 and verse number 3. I've got it in the King James and in the New Living Translation. King James says, Surely I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to reason with God. Job speaking here. I want to I talk to God. I want to reason with him. The New Living Translation says, As for me, I would speak directly to the Almighty. I want to argue my case with God himself. Of course, later on over in the book, he got an opportunity to... <laughs> To do such. Uh, in, in Job chapter 23 and 3, if only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. Doesn't say it, but give him a piece of my mind. Well, oh, I guess it does say that in the next few verses. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says. Oh, that's good for reasoning to try to understand what the other side is saying. And he, would he use his great power to argue with me? No. He would give me a fair hearing. Honest people. Oh, he's qualifying it. Honest people 
can reason with him. So I would be forever acquitted by my judge. Job had a faith in the reasonableness of God, if he could just get to him. He had no idea what all was going on in the background, in another realm that he could not perceive. But he had this confidence, I serve a reasonable God. This is a reasonable religion that I am involved in. Then in Isaiah chapter number 41 and verse 21, again, King James and then New Living Translation. King James, produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. New Living, present your case for your idols, says the Lord. Let them show what they can do, says the king of Israel. You think this is good? You think those idols are what you want? Go ahead. Let them show what they can do. Bring, present your case. Court is in session. Come on, argue it. In Acts 17 and 2, as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures, the word of God, God's thoughts, God's instructions, God's ways to reason with the people. And then in Acts 24 and 25, the prisoner, now the prisoner Paul, says, as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix the governor became frightened. Go away for now, he replied, and when it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. It wasn't the ranting and the raving of a, a madman, of, of an angry person. It was the reasonable present, presentation of God's righteousness and self-control, and him facing the coming day of judgment. Folks, there are some things we need to pay attention to because whether we like it or not, whether we're ready for it or not, they're coming. And there are some laws and some rules that are set down in God's universe that are going to be, and there is no way that we can break them. We can break on them. But we cannot break those laws. <clears throat> Let me talk to you just a, just a little while. I, I don't think I'm going to go long today, and that may surprise a whole bunch of you, and it'll really surprise me. <clears throat> Next slide. In the presence of God is not... Double negative there. It's not a no-thinking zone. Some people think, well, if you're going to be religious, if you're going to live for God, if you're going to do all that church stuff, well, that's just the opiate of the masses. It short-circuits their facilities and, and gives them a high that 
they can't reason through. Yeah, I've tried to I've tried to reason with drunks. Have you ever tried to reason with a drunk? Like wrestling with a pig. Gets you dirty and they enjoy it. Oh, the leaps of logic, or what they think is logic, that they can go through. Oh, if you're, you're, you're going to church, you're just doing what those folks, what those preachers tell you to do. Well, you better not be, because this is not an unplug your brain, no thinking zone. This, this is not something that you just, if you're really living for God, if you're really doing what he wants you to, you have not surrendered just to a system. You are in obedience to God himself and he's a reasonable God. Come now and let us reason together. Think about this thing. Think it through. All of the ramifications, all of the whys and what fors and what's going on. Come now and let us reason together. We have an invitation. An invitation to come before the most holy and present our case in the law in the courtroom of eternity. Come now and let us reason together. He, he's not a God that's, you do it or else. You do it. How many kids have heard their parents say, because I said so. You know, that, that usually, that'll almost always come out about the 40s, after the 47th, why, why, why? Because I said so. Who's being unreasonable in that case? The one that's finally getting tired or the one that's coming up with the 47 whys? You know, why is not far from whine. <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's not something that, well, just do that because that's what they've always done. Let me go back to Sheila. Sheila, I could use Sheila's illustrations for weeks. But Sheila was uh, Greek Orthodox. And uh, uh, most of the Greek Orthodox that I've met, I met through Sheila. <laughs> All of the Greek Orthodox services I've been to, I went to with Sheila. <laughs> uh, but she was talking about that they, there was one place in their, in their communion ritual where the priest would stand and he would take a cloth and wave it over the bread. And it was just part of the ritual. And, and Sheila, was, she was a smart cookie. And she, she was observant. She didn't, she thought she knew her Bible. She's dead now, so I can tell all this, but, but uh, she, she thought, she thought, she reasoned, she questioned. Hey, if you're going to be reasonable, that, that'll mean that you, you can ask questions. Reasonable people wonder. Reasonable people dig a little deeper. And so Sheila 
being Sheila, just went to the priest. Why will you do that? Why do you wave that cloth over the bread at that particular place in the service? And the priest said, I don't know. It's just what we do. So I don't know all of the rest of the conversation, but I do know that the priest, the way Sheila told it now, began to research and go back through all of the, through their records to find out what was what was what and why was which and so on and so forth and some more and something else. And he finally came back to her with an answer. And I'm I'm this hey, anybody can get in this situation. I'm not just talking about that particular group. I suspect that all of us in some various ways are in this situation. But he came back to Sheila and he said, Mrs. Ward, I have discovered the answer. And this happened centuries ago, back in the Middle Ages. The churches were hot in the summertime. And so they could not close them up. They left them open. They would open the windows, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. And flies would get into the church. And they would land on the bread. And so at that particular time, they started to wave a cloth over the bread to chase the flies off before they took communion with it. <laughs> then central heat and air came along. Screens, closed doors. A hundred years down the road. More, I'm sure more than a hundred years from screens. The reason was gone, but the action continued on. We need to get in that book and find out what it says. And find out what the real reason is. And not just the tradition and not just what they've always done and what, it, what we're used to. Reasonable. This is not an unplug your brain and don't think when you come in here. No, 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 no. If there's, if there's been a place where it was acceptable to use noodle, we could cook up some real good things here. Because thinking, examining, understanding is part of the DNA that we've received from that precious book. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Well, that's, that's not what Grandma taught me. Well, bless, bless Grandma. But one time Grandma was a young silly girl and some of those that 
ideas that she may have had as a grandma might have gotten to be her ideas while she was that young silly girl. Age, I can, I can guarantee you that age is not a surety of wisdom. That's first place to look, but I know some, well, no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> it's not a no-thinking zone. The beautiful thing about this, we'll get that next slide, that there's no reason to check your brain at the church house door. Just open it up. I love him, but I love him for reasons. John said, we love him because there's a reason he first loved us. This is not something that just comes out of nowhere, that, that just uh, appears out of the morning fog. This is something that's reasonable. It's reasonable to love him because he first loved us this much. But there are so many different ways of doing things. <laughs> well, yeah. Take a, take a course in zoology and see how many different ways God has made to consume grass, to process grass, to produce different creatures. He can take basically the same skeletal pattern and make whales, orangutans, and swans. Different ways, but they've all got their place. They've all got their niche. They've all got their purpose. You don't have to unplug your brain. You can, you can think and, and we can come to different conclusions about the minor details. If you've got a church of a thousand, you're going to run it differently than if you've got a church of ten. Well, Brother Big Shot over there, he's got a thousand, and he does it this way, and I'm I'm over here, little little pop. He's a big shot, and I'm a little pop. But I'm going I'm going to be a big shot because I'm going to do it just like he did. I knew a fella one time. He pastored a a, a, a smaller church. They might have run 50 or so. And he, he said, I do everything 
just like Brother Kilgore and Brother Pugh. Now, some of you may not know who those men are. They're, they're men from who were old, seemed old, in, in my youth. I was one time in Brother Kilgore's church, and it, it was just beginning to take off then. He was running 500 when I was there. And then it started growing. Brother Pugh uh, pastored another large church in that area and later uh, was international home mission, or yeah, international, because it's the United States and Canada, uh, home missions director, which is now the North American Missions. And then he took a, a, a church out in West Texas. I knew both of those men. I sat in classes where both of them taught. And the thing is that they were both very fine men, very successful men, very good pastors, very, very competent leaders. But they didn't do things alike. And here's this fellow saying, I do everything exactly like they do. Well, that's double-minded. Because they don't do things alike. See, he had, he had checked his brain. I'm just going to do what they do. Now, I have said many times in, in relation to free will, and, and you go back to the Garden of Eden, and you'll find that we do have free will. We can make decisions. We can do what we want to do within the limits of our power. But when you, when you come right down to it, there are some things we can't do. But God gives us free will to make our decisions as to what we're going to do, how we're going to interpret the word of God. And, and you, folks make all sorts of decisions. And, and I, I've said repeatedly, if I made all the decisions, there'd be a lot of different decisions made than what is made. But you see, I'm not the standard. I'm a long ways from the standard. Our standard has given us his word that we need to look at and say, how does that apply to me? and put our brains in gear and be reasonable. Reason with God. He's, he's ready to talk to you. The courtroom is open. Come plead your case. Come look at the word of God. Find your way through the law. I, I have also said that the Bible is a legal brief filed in the courts of eternity. It's not a no-thinking zone. You don't let everybody just tell you what to do and, and you never think about it and never, never uh, understand what you're doing. You're just doing it because somebody said so. That didn't work very well in the Nuremberg trials after World War II. I was just following orders. 
Well, the guy that hung them was just following orders too. The next slide on the end of mine. God's ways have reasons, whether we understand them or not. God is not some kind of autocratic, dictatorial, I want to do this just to make them jump, just to make them suffer, just for my own amusement. God is not a God who is capricious and just makes up rules just to see what will happen. There are reasons behind what God asks us to do. It's a reasonable religion. He's a reasonable God. He's invited us. Come now and let us reason together. He's invited us. Search you the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. If you want to think God's thoughts after him, read his word. If you want to know how he thinks, look at what he's done. Look at what he said. Look at the order that he has set in motion. I may not understand it, Shortly after I received the Holy Ghost, my mother wanted me to, she was, she was trying every way she could to get me out of this. A few years later, I baptized her in Jesus' name, but, but you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's another story. That's the, that's the good story. But she uh, made an appointment for me to meet with the preacher of the denomination that I came out of, and it was not someone that I knew. There were several churches of that denomination in town, and I had, I had been in three of those uh, churches, uh, two of, well, all three of them with my parents. And, but she, she didn't, for some reason, did not want, me, want to take me to any of the pastors of any of those three churches, and she found a fourth one and, and took me to him, and, and we spent quite some time. He was trying to argue that uh, what I... Uh, had gotten into uh, was not scriptural, that it couldn't happen, that it wasn't so. He was just a few months late. I already had it. This wasn't theoretical with me anymore. This was experiential. I'd read it in the book, and you can read a lot of things in books, but I'd not only read it in the book, I'd experienced it in my own life. And, and somebody with a theory is not near as persuasive as somebody with an experience. But he, he pulled out all these arguments. He was trying to reason. It had been a lot better if he hadn't been quote, misquoting so much scripture. I didn't know the scriptures that well, but when I got back home, I started looking them up, and they didn't say, say what he said they said. But there was one particular set of scriptures in Hebrews, and he, he used that, pulled it out, and I, I looked at it, and, and it said what he said that it said, but I, 
I figured out later it didn't mean how he interpreted what it said. But I didn't understand it. Understanding Hebrews can be a bit of a chore sometimes, especially if you've had the Holy Ghost less than a year. And I was a good at least 18 months with that in my mind. He said this. That's what it says. A lot of it matches what he said, his interpretation. And I wrangled with that and wrangled with that. Just because you're in questioning mode doesn't mean that you are not uh, loved of God. It doesn't mean that God's not directing you because you don't have an answer on your schedule. doesn't mean the answer's not there. Something like 18 months or so later, I was reading, and boom, I had the answer. I'd read it lots of times in that 18 months. But just suddenly, there it was. But you see, God's reason was there even if I didn't understand the reason. God's way was there even if I was too dense to get it through my thick skull. But the thing is, when you don't understand, go ahead and do what he said anyhow. If you don't understand why, you understand what. And do the what and the why will come. God has reasons, whether we understand them or not. And next slide, all of our reasoning cannot change God's reasons. We are living in a day and an age and a time when up is down, red is green. You just fill in all the rest of them. Everything is being stood on its head. You can throw your 1950s dictionary away. It doesn't mean that anymore. The very words have been changed. The meaning of the words have been changed. Oh, if you identify, folks, I'd like to identify as a multimillionaire. <laughs> More like Job's turkey. <laughs> Our reasoning. You can argue it in, in heaven's court, but that doesn't change facts. I talked with a lawyer one time, and he, he said that the, the way that a, a lawyer approaches court is if the law is on your side, pound the law. If the facts are on your side, pound the facts. But if neither the law nor the facts are on your side, pound the table. <laughs> A lot of what we're seeing today is mere table pounding, but it's getting attention. And it's getting acquiescence because people have come under the Johnson treatment. Be reasonable. 
Be reasonable. Be reasonable. And they're not reasoning at all. They're intimidating. But his ways are for our good. There's a reason you need to repent. You're going the wrong way. I don't care how good a time you're making if you're going the wrong way. You're just making the situation worse. And the word repent from the French, from which we get repent, means to turn and go in the opposite direction. If, if it were, it's a military term, about face. Repent. There's a reason for it. You're going the wrong way. We need to repent to change our direction. There's a good reason for it. Baptism. Oh, yeah, we identify with him. And he's made it. I don't understand it all. I don't understand electricity, but I'm not going to sit in the dark till I do. I don't understand all about how that we can go down in just plain old H2O in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and come right back up. We didn't even stay there long. And we didn't have any soap. I'd say that's not a real good bath. But when we come up out of there, our sins are all washed away. Now, if I can get that without bath bubbles... And staying in there a long time till I begin to shrivel up. <laughs> I may not understand all of it, but I understand that it works. How do you know it works? I was so different. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Him filling me with His Spirit. Oh, that can't be. I had one fellow one time in Bartlesville. He... he he really didn't much believe what we were doing, but he, he came to the altar and he began to seek the Lord and he, he'd come back and he'd come back and I could tell he, he really wasn't seeing it. And, and one day he got serious. He really got serious. And he started speaking in tongues. His eyes flew open. He said, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> Later, he testified. He said, I heard Brother Moss preaching, and I thought all that stuff about speaking in tongues was a little far-fetched. But he got it, and that made the difference. That makes the difference. It gives us power. It clears our minds. It's easier to reason if you're thinking straight. And he changes the re with the renewing of our minds and puts in us the mind which was in Christ Jesus. Sometimes it takes a little time to get the whole job done, but it begins right there. Hallelujah. And we can begin to think like God thinks and see what God sees and understand like he understands. Holiness.
unto the Lord. Oh, that's just a bunch of restrictions. No, that's a bunch of liberation. How far would Amtrak get without rails? The rails do not restrict a train. The rails make it possible for a train to complete its journey. So many times during the Civil War when the trains were early in their use and they wanted to stop troop movements or supply movements, they didn't blow up the train, they blew up the tracks. And that stopped the train. The defense rests. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to him must come to him believing that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently seeking him is part of that reasonableness. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to keep worrying with it. If it takes me 18 months, if it takes me 18 years, and all of that time while I'm trying to figure out I'm still going to do it because I know that's what God said to do. Faithfulness. When I was in the fourth grade, I guess I'm an archaeologist. Ms. Meadows, my teacher, was also the music teacher for the school. And so part of every day she had to leave our class and go help with the music. And Mr. Lamb, who was the uh, principal at uh, Edwards Elementary, came in. I, I had, my vision was so bad that I always sat on the front row and Mr. Lamb would stand by my desk and he'd put his finger on my desk and he had the shakes. And I can, I can still remember watching his finger shake on my desk. It's a wonder I remember anything he said from watching. But there was, it was a fairly new area of town and they were building a lot of houses and a lot of them were brick. And Mr. Lamb told us about uh, putting in the bricks. He said, they need to make the whole wall with a brick in every spot. He said, if, if you leave two or three bricks out here and three or four out there and another one out over here, he said, you've, you've got a weakened wall. He was trying to tell us, you need to come to school every day. Get it all. Faithfulness. <clears throat> I'm glad he didn't show up. But we might have still got the answer that Thomas got when he finally did come back to service. I, I'm not going to believe it unless I, I, I do it myself. Thomas nearly missed it. Because he wasn't in service. He wasn't with the rest of them. He wasn't involved. There's a reason to be involved. There's a reason God wants us faithful to his house. There's a reason that God is looking for faithfulness. There's a reason that God is looking for people who he can depend on, who will walk with him, who will do what he says. And love, 
Oh, yeah, love. God is love. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples and that you have love one for another. It's part of the DNA. It's, it's part of who we are. It's part of what we are. It's part of God's plan that we love one another. To a God who works on all levels, from subatomic particles to the broad expanse of a universe that we cannot even imagine and are not sure of its measurements. That God who knows that much and is that reasonable to be in control of all that asks us, come now and let us reason together. Last slide. Be reasonable. Be reasonable. Be reasonable. We have a reasonable God. I don't understand everything he's doing and you don't either. But we don't have to understand, we just have to be obedient to him. We have to know what he wants to do and and we can, we can make our arguments, we can, we can bring them up, we can ask our whys. We can ask our whys until God is tempted to say, because I said so. But even behind that, there's a reason. There's a reason. One thing, he loves you. And for a lot of us, me included, that doesn't seem very reasonable on his part. But he's got his reasons. If you're here this morning and you've not repented of your sins, then uh, there's a reason he wants you to change your direction. If you've not been baptized in his name, he, he's reasonably wanting you to be cleaned, to be cleansed. If you've not been filled with his spirit, your reasonableness is, is somewhat hampered. It's hindered because walking with him, having his spirit within you, that's what brings that renewing of the mind. That's what puts within us the mind that was in Christ Jesus. It changes our thinking. It can make a big change in you. I remember overhearing conversation between my mother and my aunt shortly after I'd received the Holy Ghost, and they were discussing whether or not to have me committed to a mental institution because there had been such a major change in my life. You probably wouldn't have liked me. I don't know if you like me now, but you really wouldn't have liked me if you'd have known me B.C. before Christ. Faith, I believe him. Faithfulness, I want to be there. And the love of God, I want it shed abroad in my heart. And I, I, Lord, I can't hold much, but I could overflow a whole lot. If you've got questions about God, why don't you come reason with him? 
If you don't understand, why don't you obey until you've had a chance to, to let him speak to your heart? As we stand this morning or this afternoon, these altars would be open. Let's, let's, Job said, I would come before him. I would present my case. When I came to present my case, all I could do was say, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Oh, I didn't use those words, but, but that's what my heart was crying. And he said, I'll take your place. I'll take your punishment. I'll stand where you should stand. Those stripes on his back in Pilate's judgment hall, those were for you. The nails in his hands, that was for you. Oh, it's not reasonable for him to, to take my place like that. Well, he's got his reasons. He's got his reasons. Praise God. He loves us. If nothing else, that's reason enough. He loves you. That's reason enough for you to come and to walk with him, to, to yield your heart to him. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, speak to our hearts this day. Help us to come and reason with you. God, you'll reason with us and not, not with a Lyndon Johnson intimidation. Oh, God, you'll, you'll come and you'll stand on a level, on a par with us. You've already done that, Lord. You, you walked among us. Not as a master, but as a servant. Oh, God, you're a reasonable God. Help us be a reasonable people. Jesus, Jesus, my King. Hallelujah. If you want to come and pray with someone or you want to come and pray for yourself, praise God. These altars are open. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God.